Bom bom bits, a bowl full of chips. Bom bom bits, with Chappy and Pip. Bom bom bits, two young brothers. Bom bom bits, talking college football. Bom bom bits, and life and humor. And some funny ass clips. So relax and unwind with a bowl full of chips. With the uh, first pick in podcast, the listeners select a bowl full of chips, Chappie and the Bip, Southeast Michigan. <sighs> That's right, college football fans. Fresh off draft party from Music City, USA. The NFL borrowed you for the weekend, but now we bring you back to the college game that is so near and dear to all of our hearts. I am Chappie, a.k.a. Todd Mc. I've got something to say. Your franchise podcaster, and you all know my co-host, Mr. Relevant, no IR, Bip, a.k.a. Mel Griper. Bip, how was draft weekend for you, my crafty draft raft? Chappie, one of my favorite weekends of the year came and went, and as excited as I am for the draft to get here, I'm equally disappointed when it's over. Um, to me, nothing's better as it melds the college game with the pro game. You get to revisit the great highlights from the stars of college, and every team gets to leave the draft with new hope uh, for their NFL team in the coming year. So... Uh, but how are things in, in Chappie's world? Did you enjoy uh, more NFL draft or more draft beer this weekend, sir? Um, well, uh, the the latter, but in a different form. Uh, more of the <laughs> uh, Kentucky-style bourbon uh, flavor. There we go. Good um, choice. Mixed with uh, a little bit of the uh, the cola that I like to uh, sweeten it up with. <laughs> Very um, well. Yeah, I, you know... I'll be honest. I don't enjoy NFL Draft Day um, as much for the the pro perspective of it. Um, sure. I, I really get a big kick out of kind of seeing all those the montage of highlights and and getting to see the clips of the best of the best from the college game. Um, I really I really applaud the NFL though. They have turned this into literally a party. I mean, and and I think yeah. Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee. What a better place. I mean, I, you and I were talking over the weekend. I was I would have loved to have been down there just for one night. I mean, seeing that street lined and going uh, what seemed like almost a mile back, and it was packed. Right. Um, what, what was the number? You gave me a number uh, of how many were I, thought to be in attendance. I don't, I don't know if it was for the first day, the second day, or if it was the estimate for the three days combined, but I thought the figure they threw out was 200,000 people, which in any regard, whether it's one day, two days, or three days combined, that's that's an impressive number. And it seems like it keeps getting bigger and bigger as each new city that hosts it at, since they've started doing their kind of satellite tour yeah. um, to new cities tries to outdo the previous city. So I am looking forward to, I'm not sure where it's being hosted next year, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how big uh, all of these cities take it because they they set a new bar every year and it's pretty cool to see what they come up with and how they present everything. Yeah, because um, I, I think they've done it in Philly. They did it in Vegas, um, Nashville. Yeah, I'm curious to see. I almost want to look that up uh, after the podcast here where they're headed in 2020. Um, but, you know, right. they just I mean, clearly it's it's a total guys weekend. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that would be that would be an interesting um bro trip in the future to, to head out there, <laughs> even if it's just for a day and then, uh, 
you know, we kind of drive back and, and we catch the rest, um, you know, on TV or on our phones or whatever. But uh, and, certainly and funny enough, you say a, a bro weekend because there is some funny um, one of the things on Twitter that was being passed around a lot this weekend was it showed a picture of a couple of uh, uh, women at a, a bachelorette party. And it said, uh, yeah, they both had a disappointed look on their face. And it said the look that you get when you book your bachelorette party in Nashville the weekend of the NFL draft. And I thought, man, what if that actually happened to uh, some unlucky women, uh, given the amount of uh, lack of hotels and how crowded the bars must have been with all of these uh, NFL fans and all these goons uh, walking around? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't I don't consider them unlucky. If you're getting a ring that's going to cost uh, almost a half year's pay and you're getting a great guy, um, you can suck it up for that weekend. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, uh you know, and, and I would hope, Bip, that you and I, if, if we ever made that trip, we would last longer than Lee Corso did on uh, on Friday. <laughs> yeah, what happened with that? Just uh, pick 11 comes up and the uh, game day crew seemed to be as surprised as everyone in the audience when he just got up and they're like, hey, heading out. And he's like, yep, I'll see you in the fall. Like, you know, I have absolutely no idea what he's doing. Um, Did he did he crap his pants or something? <laughs> I don't know. Oops, I crap my pants. Well, uh, he's at that age, and the only thing that would have topped that is if he staggered back in with some random head on, no explanation, <laughs> no talking, just sitting there, arms folded, and like, uh, okay, we, we really need to go to commercial again because yeah, I don't know what the he, hell's going he, on. He poo bears it onto the stage with uh, one of the mascot heads. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, well, good, what a good way to start. So uh, thanks again for for. Tune in into a bowl full of chips, your podcast for national non-cliche coverage of the college gridiron, where we bring you interesting info, insights, and confident claims that are backed up by analytics and the ever so polarizing eye test and gut feeling. And we know that when it comes to a college football podcast that brings you uh, diverse yet precise national coverage, there's no careful selection needed, no draft board. Just go with the number one pick. And again, that's a bowl full of chips. And unlike those NFL teams trying to secure their riches selfishly, you are more than welcome to share your pick of podcast with all your friends. In fact, we encourage it. Hit that share button and text, tweet, or email our link to those that love college football just like you. Please also interact with us on Twitter or email. I am at champion underscore lit. And I am at BFC BIP. And if you want to send emails, send it off to bowlfullofchips at gmail.com. So, Bip, we're, we're going to uh, – no news and notes for this podcast. We'll get to that on our next one. But um, let's talk about some of our, our brief thoughts on the NFL draft. So we're going to take just a small segment here to include the NFL game because, obviously, there's a lot of college insertion into that. But, um, Bip, start us off. Let, let me hear from you. Who is the team that drafted to you the best college players? So not necessarily – the, the most potential going into the NFL, but the guys who you look at that and you're like, man, what an all-star roster from, from collegiate teams. Sure. I had two teams that stuck out for me. So I'll go with my number two first, and that's Baltimore Ravens. So they end up hauling in Hollywood Brown, Jalen Ferguson, Miles Boykin, Justice Hill, Iman Marshall, Dalen Mack, and Trace McSorley. So with Hollywood Brown, you get maybe the most electric player in uh, the most electric receiver in college football this year. Jalen Ferguson led the league in sacks. Uh, Miles Boykin uh, was really productive in his own right. Justice Hill was on pace for a lot of uh, statistics before he got hurt at the end. Amon Marshall has been solid his entire career at USC. Dalen Mack um, as well at Texas A&M. And Trace McSorley 
um, putting together one of the better careers of a Big Ten quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, my number one team was the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so they, of course, get Kyler Murray with their first pick, but then they also end up with Byron Murphy, Andy Isabella, who I believe led the country in receiving yeah. yards. And if yep. if not, he was okay. Uh, they also get Zach Allen from uh, Boston College, Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State, who was just a man amongst boys this year in the Big 12. And that was a steal Deontay, in the fourth round at the 103rd yeah. overall pick. I'm, I'm really surprised he didn't go higher. But uh, yeah, I, right. I like that pick. And pairing him with Andy Isabella gives him two completely different receivers mm-hmm. that should be highly talented for Kyler Murray to throw to this year. Yeah. They also land Deontay Thompson, who throughout uh, most of the season was thought of to be the first safety picked uh, before um, he kind of tailed off at the end. And then they also end up with uh, Lamont uh, Gaylard from, um, you know, the, the full-time starter this year from Georgia on that great offensive line that they had. Mm-hmm. And to round things out, they had Caleb Wilson, who was about as effective as any tight end in the country this year for UCLA. So team that uh, brought in, a lot of college football stars that's full of uh, stat leaders, all conference and all American players. Those two teams really ran away with uh, more of the college talent um, from this past 2018 season, Chappie. Yeah. And I was really surprised that Caleb Wilson was Mr. Irrelevant as the, the as the final pick. I mean, I thought that um, number one, it was, it was a great decision of his to, to turn pro early and mm-hmm. um, you know, just a, a really good weapon, big, big size at tight end. I think he's going to be, um, one of those guys who you're going to see in Pro Bowls, and he's going to be a household name at that tight end spot. So, um, yeah, I like those picks for the Cardinals. Um, I'm, I don't know that I'm 100% sold on Kyler Murray being a franchise type quarterback in the NFL, but the way that the the game is trending towards that style of quarterback, um, it's certainly uh, pointing in his direction. So, you know, all the best to him, and hopefully he can continue to translate those skills uh, onto the pro game. Right. Well, I'm going to go with uh, two teams from the AFC and two teams that, you know, oftentimes will have been slugging, slugging it out for supremacy on that side of, of the coin. So my number one team is the New England Patriots. And, you know, going down their list, Nikhil Harry with their first overall pick, um, you know, similar to Butler, a man among boys at receiver on the outside. Um, Juwan Williams, I think, is a, is a very underrated but highly talented corner out of Vanderbilt. Chase Winovich, who's just a, a nonstop motor out of Michigan at defensive end. I think maybe one of the the steals of the first three rounds, Damian Harris at running back from Alabama. Yadni yeah. Kajush from West Virginia, a very good offensive tackle. Um, the uh, the Swedish guy from Arkansas, I can never pronounce his <laughs> name right, uh, Halti Froholt, uh, and, and forgive me if I butchered that a little bit. But um, birdie, birdie, birdie. Yeah, right. Yeah, this, he will forever be known as a Swedish chef from now on. So, um, so when we see him, we'll just we'll just call him Chef. Uh, also, yeah. Garrett Stidham from Auburn, and and you and I talked about this a little bit. I, uh, I I loved watching him as a quarterback at Baylor. I think he kind of slipped into a little bit of regression at Auburn, but I think that was a, a byproduct of the Gus Malzahn system and you know not really requiring his quarterbacks to be a, a sit-back pro-style passer, which I think is, is essentially what Jarrett Stidham is. That's who he was in high school. That's where he was at Baylor before uh, the fallout there. Byron Cowart, mm-hmm. I think, is an underrated defensive lineman from Maryland. Yeah. Um, Jake Bailey is a is a franchise type punter from Stanford, and then Ken Webster from Ole Miss. You know that they 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 like to play 
um, you know, pretty good at, at, at in the secondary in Oxford. So New England's my number one team. Uh, Pittsburgh is a close second. I really like the the landscape of who they got. Devin Bush from Michigan, Deontay Johnson from Toledo, a wide receiver. Justin Lane, who I think is going to turn out to be a pretty good pro corner. Benny Snell from Kentucky. Zach Gentry, also from Michigan. Sutton Smith, um, I think, is another steal from Northern Illinois going in the sixth round. Isaiah Bugs from Alabama. Ulysses Gilbert from Akron. And then Derwin Gray, an offensive lineman from Maryland. So um, I, th- I think it's a good cast of players, um, not necessarily all of them All-Americans, but certainly um, contributors in their own right with with a good level of production in the college game. So I'm going to give it to the Patriots and the Steelers in that one, Bip. Yeah, and for each of those teams, is there anyone that's more of a Patriot-type pick than Chase Winovich? And likewise, is yeah. there anyone that's more of a Steeler-type pick than Devin Bush? Right. I mean, you guys that uh, definitely went to the right teams and the right, the right schemes and the right fit, seemingly, um, from from uh the draft this weekend yeah yeah absolutely so um speaking of the first round and and speaking of steals uh let's talk about our 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 opinions for best pick in the first round so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with noah fant from iowa who went in the 20th pick to the denver broncos um you know i know tj hawkinson went much higher at the at the eighth pick to to detroit but um I think Fant is a is a better overall athlete. I, I look at Hawkinson as a guy who, um, you know, is kind of that. Uh, you know, he he looks more like an NFL tight end, but but Fant's a guy again in the in the evolution of the offenses that we're seeing and kind of turning more athletes on the offensive side of the ball, especially at the receiver and tight end position. Um, Fant's a guy that is certainly going to create, I think, better mismatches. Uh, you know, against some of those NFL safeties and giving new quarterback Joe Flacco definitely a good option down the seam. So um, he's my pick for, you know, best uh, pick and best fit in the first round. Not necessarily most talented overall, but certainly the best fit for his team. Yeah, and um, I I decided to go with uh, the defensive side. of the, well, Actually, I kind of had a 1 and a 1A. First, I went with Josh Allen. The fact that he fell to number 7 to yeah. the Jaguars, they were just salivating to get him. Can't believe that he fell past teams like the Jets, the Raiders, and the Giants, who could have all benefited from a pass rusher, especially the one with the cal- caliber of Allen. And I also like uh, the fit with Marquise Brown going to the Ravens. Um, pairing him with Lamar Jackson gives that offense the deep ball threat that it seems like the Ravens have never had in the history of their franchise. And it also gives them a ton of flexibility and dynamic playmaking ability, pairing him with Jackson and those tight ends that they drafted last year. Lots of flexibility, lots of athleticism on that offense. They could easily turn into one of the more exciting teams, uh, to watch offensively this year, um, in the NFL. Yeah. And I was close to going with Josh Allen. I really like what he does and I like what he brings. And, um, you know, I agree. Um, anytime you can get a, a boost in a uh, a once in a uh, few years type player like Allen showed that he was at Kentucky, not just this year, but last year as well. Um, I think that's certainly a good pick for them. Yep. Um, well, you know, everybody talks about the Tom Brady story uh, and, and you know, somebody who was really a diamond in, in the late round. So just real quickly, Bip, one or two or a couple of players that you would like to mention, who do you see as somebody who fell in the sixth or seventh round, but you see as somebody having long lasting potential in the NFL? couple guys, uh, Caden Smith, uh, tight end from Stanford, went in the sixth round of the 49ers. I think he could pair up nicely with George Kittle, and Kittle could take away a lot of the attention from him, give him the opportunity to produce the way that he did in Stanford, mm-hmm. another team that likes to run a two-tight end set. 
And then also Dakota Allen, a uh, linebacker from Texas Tech that went all the way down to 251st overall to the Rams in the seventh round. Yeah. Extreme high character guy. Um, had good production at Texas Tech and someone to easily root for if you've watched uh, Last Chance U as he seems like he's all character and a great guy to have in the locker room. Yeah, and, and he, from from those couple seasons, he was certainly my favorite uh, character, favorite player, if you will. Yeah. And I was glad to see that he got a second t- chance at Texas Tech. And by all accounts that I've, I've seen... Um, He's he's really taking advantage of this second chance and and turning his right. life around and so yeah I, I'm definitely rooting for Dakota Allen. Um, mm-hmm. I went with a couple guys that I already mentioned. One is Sutton Smith who uh, played defensive end at Northern Illinois, but it looks like he's going to be um, more of an outside linebacker in the NFL. Guy who's got a, a nonstop motor, quick first step, uh, very athletic, and and it seems like he just fits in that Pittsburgh style. Um, blue collar, hardworking defensive mentality. And then um, Keyshawn Johnson's another guy uh, who you mentioned from the Arizona Cardinals. He comes from Fresno State, but had 95 catches a year ago, uh, runs good routes, good hands, seems to be able to get by defenders and is is going to be uh, should should profit in that Cliff Kingsbury wide open um, pass happy type uh, attack that they'll have down in in. Uh, uh, in Arizona. So those are my two guys that I see as, as potentially having long lasting ability. Yeah. I like that pick of, uh, Sutton Smith as well. They they pair him with, uh, TJ Watt, uh, on the field to give you get two outside linebackers, rush ends that, uh, have high motors and good athleticism that could get after the quarterback. Yep. And it's nice to know that the, uh, two Mac guys, or at least, uh, one Mac guy and a former Mac guy are, are headlining out there in, uh, in the NFL. So Yes, sir. Um, all right. Well, let's get right to the the toast of the cast tonight, and that is Bip and I in the honor of the NFL draft. We're going to do our 2019 college All-American draft. So here's how this is going to work. Bip and I have made our rosters. We've made our draft boards, and we are going to go back and forth with a snake-type um, draft uh, sequence, and we're going to pick our All-American teams. Now, we can't pick the same guy. And we have not seen each other's picks yet, so it'll be kind of interesting. Some picks are going to get stolen, and that might bring out some uh, competitive emotions. But we're going to go through and give you five guys on offense, five guys on defense, as well as a head coach and two coordinators on both the offense and defensive side. And we'll kind of match it up, and then we'll be sure to tweet out those All-American teams and see what you guys think, see who you feel has the better roster. So, Bip, in honor of you being the younger and the much better looking of the of the two Chapmans, why don't you <laughs> start us off with your first pick of the 2019 Bullful of Chips All-American Draft? Well, you really set the bar, bar low for us if I'm the better looking one, Chappie. Well, sometimes uh, it's, start, it's I, good to start low so that way you can clear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will go ahead and graciously start off, and I'm going to go with the obvious and take Trevor Lawrence, uh, quarterback from Clemson. <laughs> you son of a bitch. He, um, now, he obviously didn't start a full season this year um, as he and Kelly Bryant kind of uh, duked it out for the first several games, but then obviously he took over. I mean, most of all, or most of us know what he went on to accomplish. What I was most imp- impressed with him is um, he didn't throw a pick in the last five games of the season, showing the growth and the maturity of him throughout this season um, and really showed amazing poise and uh, coolness under pressure as a true freshman in his two playoff games this year. He really picked apart both Notre Dame and Alabama combined for 674 yards and six touchdowns were completing uh, 66% of his passes against two really quality defense. So 
Um, I go with him as my field general and hope that um, everything falls into place from there, Chappie. Yep. Uh, as I, as I kind of, um, exclaimed, that was, that was definitely my first pick, but, um, you know, I like it. So I'm going to go and take his, with my first pick, his backfield mate, and that's running back Travis Etienne from Clemson. Now, um, Mm -hmm. Etienne is a guy that, uh, clearly gives you a lot of options on offense. He, he's a, he's a quick between the tackles. Um, you know, he's somebody also who is, is a good, receiver out of the backfield too, uh, runs with a, a, with a competitive spirit. And um, last year, 8.1 yards per touch scored 24 touchdowns on the ground. He also caught 12 passes uh, to him across the plane for six. Um, and so I know that I'm going to get a, a good quarterback, but I, I think if you have a good running back, that's a difference maker for most teams. And I think that's a big reason why Clemson, uh, proved to be victorious as national champs last year and running through with having that, uh, that breakthrough season and, and, and claiming another crown. So Travis Etienne is going to be my first pick on my all American team at running back. Bip. All right. I like it. I like it. Who do you got next Chappie? Well, with my next pick, um, I am going to go. Uh, to the offensive line, and Bip and I, we're, we're not going to get into the uh, individual offensive line, so we're going to pick a team offensive line, and I'm going to go with, surprise, surprise, the Clemson Tigers. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, Clemson is, is a team that you know that they recruit well, and you know that uh, in order to protect the assets in Trevor Lawrence and um, Travis Etienne, they're going to have to have a, a stout offensive line. And so, um, you know, they were, I believe, third or fourth in ESPN's offensive efficiency last season. Um, you know, they, they they churn things out, and, and a big part of that is their group up front. So Lawrence has time to throw the ball. ETN and uh, their other stable of backs, who, by the way, is, is one short now with Tavian Feaster, putting himself in the transfer portal. Doesn't mean he's going to be gone for sure. But, you know, they, they bring back Jackson Carmen, John Simpson, um, Gage Shavenka, Tremaine Ankrum. So they really only lose um, one guy from that offensive line. They bring back uh, pretty much everybody. And and like I said, they're, they're kind of stocked with depth behind it. So in building my offense and being a little bit more of an offensive minded person, I think that uh, the smart move there is to go with the Clemson offensive line uh, with my second pick. Okay. And, and I forgot to jump back in there for a second for your Travis Etienne pick. Um, he was among my top two. My only question with uh, Etienne is um, he's very boom or bust. And if I'm building a team, I got to make sure that I have a very talented team around him as he had seven games this year where he rushed for under a hundred yards. Although three of those games he had under 10 carries. So he doesn't get necessarily the the quantity of carries that you might expect. But in looking at the playoff games as well, if you take away the 62-yard run against Notre Dame and the 32-yard run against Alabama, he almost has kind of pedestrian numbers outside of the touchdowns he had against Bama. So, um, But then again, I do like the fact that all he needs is one carry in a game to completely change it. So I like the fact that you're pairing both him and the Clemson offensive line and shocker, our top three picks are from the University of Clemson. Right. So I will uh, spin things back around to my side, and I'm going to go with someone equally electrifying, and I'm going to go a little Herb Street here and pick Rondale Moore, wide receiver out of Purdue. Okay. Now, last year he was first in the country in receptions. He uh, had 12 touchdowns, over 1,200 receiving yards. 
He also added 213 yards rushing and two touchdowns while averaging 10.1 yards per carry. And additionally, he averaged 20.1 yards uh, per kick return and 6.8 yards per punt return. So obviously we all know he's an all around talent can kind of do it all interested to see how he rounds out his game some more this year. Does he get more strength? Um, Not that he wasn't uh, lacking in strength at all last year, but gets a full year in the uh, strength and conditioning program at the university of Purdue. Um, Now that teams know that they have to key in on him for an entire season, what's production look like this year? I'm going to gamble that it's pretty similar to last year and that he gives me a shot in the arm, both receiving and potentially rushing as well as in the return game. Yeah, and my only my only concern is I think Purdue's going to be down a little bit this year, and you worry about a sophomore quote unquote slump. Now, I sure. I do think that he's going to put up uh, very impressive numbers, um, but I think unfair to him is everybody's going to be comparing this year, obviously, to his freshman All American season, um, the yeah. first All American. Uh, first All-American who was a freshman in Big Ten history. That's a, that's a pretty remarkable uh, mark to set for yourself. But yeah. what impresses me most about him, Bip, is not his athletic talent. And, and I know you're probably thinking, what could be better than his athletic talent? If you've ever heard this guy talk, he is a class act all the way. I had a chance to watch Purdue's spring game and very humble, very down mm-hmm. to earth, very committed and devoted to his school, his coaches, his teammates. Sure. I mean, he is not one of these flashy guys who's going to show up to practice with gold chains and show up in a, a fur coat in a limo and and basically have his initials tattooed all over himself, you know, me, me, me. He is he is totally a, right. a Purdue Boilermaker all the way. And I would not be surprised if he stays all four years in West Lafayette. Um, now, granted, I don't know what his NFL prospects might be. He's a little bit undersized. Certainly, he has the strength, he has the speed, he has all the talent that's needed. Um, but I think you know he seems like somebody who values um, the bigger things in life. And so I, I, I'm certainly hoping as a college football sure. fan that he does stay four years. Um, not necessarily as a Northwestern fan, being in the same Big Ten West division, but <laughs> you know from a from an entertainment right. standpoint, Rondell Moore certainly is is top value. Yep. Well, with my next pick, cha- next pick, Chappie, I, I went um, with the strategy here of knowing you and knowing my <laughs> opponent. I'm going to take away your quarterback of the defense, and I'm going to take safety Grant Delpit from LSU. No, I knew you were going to go with that pick. <laughs> so Delpit, get out of my head, man. <laughs> <laughs> last year, Delpit finished with five picks, nine passes defended, and maybe more impressively, finished with 74 tackles, 46 of those being solo. Nine and a half tackles for loss and five sacks from the safety position. Good against the pass, good against the run, makes plays all over the field. And like I said, you got I have my quarterback on offense, I have my quarterback on defense. I'm all set in those regards. So I'm going Grant Delpit, safety out of LSU to uh, start that uh, defensive trend for my team. Bravo, my friend. That is an outstanding defensive pick. Would have been my first defensive player chosen. So I am going to, I've got to start putting in some guys on that side of the ball. And I'm going to go out to Palo Alto, California and take cornerback Paulson Adebo from Stanford University. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, So it sounds like I snagged from you too. That's good. (laughs) Now, Adebo in his first year playing last year, um, had 64 tackles, five of them for a loss, which is pretty impressive from a corner spot. He had four picks, um, but most impressively to me, 17 passes defended. Now, what that means for for those of you who are not stat nerds is it's a combination of interceptions and passes uh, broken up. So, um, you know, he had 13 
pass breakups to go along with four interceptions. He also forced a fumble. He's a guy who, if, if you watch Stanford football last year, he was seemingly in on every play. And, um, you know, uh, he disrupted passing uh, rhythm. He, he's physical. He's also kind of tall, 6'1", uh, gives you good size at that corner spot. Um, I think that uh, with another similar type year this year, this could be the last season we see Paulson uh, playing for the uh, for the Cardinal as he will be a, a uh, third year junior this year. Um, so, um, you know, soak that up and, and he's going to be my really my quarterback of the secondary there. Um, even though he's playing at the corner spot that, yeah, he was my top corner, uh, going into this draft. And he's one of those ones that got away as an Irish fan. Um, Notre Dame was in his top three and there was talk that he could have gone there. And when you see how good he is now, it really smarts even more. And the passes defended stats, one of my favorite stats, and I think one of the more underrated stats in football mm-hmm. Um, and what I would be interested to know is if someone starts quantifying third down passes defended or passes tipped as that could be just as important and more, uh, and just as, uh, influential as an interception as obviously it, you know, 90% of the time it's going to lead to a punt to where your team gets the ball back anyway. So love that, uh, 17 passes defended by Debo shows that he's around the ball and when he is, he's making a play on it. Yeah. And, and, uh, going back to your analytics, it's, uh, it, continues to get um, deeper and deeper. It continues to evolve, and it's great to see how broken down some of these stats are. And for those of you not in the know, a great uh, site to check out is Pro Football Focus. Um, you can follow them on Twitter, and they do a good job of sending out kind of snapshots from different players from every conference uh, during the weeks, and, and they do break it down as as minute as what you were talking about, Bip. You know, third down passes defended, um, third down passes defended mm-hmm. against the top receiver, um, you know, they break it down by quarter. So those guys do an outstanding job of, of really zeroing in on what are the, the, the most important stats at the most um, intricate times. So, um, well, sure. <laughs> you're going to think that I'm a, a Clemson fan. I'm going to go back to Death Valley for my next pick, and, and you're going to know why. I'm going to go <laughs> on the defensive line, and even though he only played um, as a backup last year, Xavier Thomas, to me, is a franchise-type player on the defensive side. Um, defensive end was a freshman last year, true freshman for Clemson, but you watch number three and he looked like a fourth year senior. He looked like an NFL player out there. He's got the body, the upside, he's got the athleticism, the, the speed. And if you saw the end of the Syracuse game, when he came in and basically just rocked Eric Dungy's world, um, that for me set me off on, on kind of a, uh, a bromance for this defensive player. Um, he had 33 tackles last year. 18 of them were solo, though, which is pretty impressive from a defensive end. Normally, you see defensive linemen um, kind of get a little bit more of those assist uh, tackle plays because of the fact that they're um, you know, in the mesh of things. He had three and a half sacks, eight and a half tackles for loss. He also defended two passes and forced a fumble. So, um, you know, again, those stats are not going to be leading the stat box. But as somebody who's coming in as a uh, a third and even fourth defensive end last year, now he's going to be a full-time starter. Brent Venables is going to be working with him even more. Um, he's going to be surrounded by some other talent on that defensive side of the ball. So expect a big year out of number three. And he's going to be my uh, next pick on my All-American team, Bip. All right. I like that one. Um, I'm going to stick with the uh, the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to go all the way over to Arizona and take Colin Schooler, linebacker. And mm-hmm. what I like about him is he finished the year with 119 tackles. He was sixth in the country with 22 tackles for loss. 
also added three and a half sacks, two interceptions, four passes defended, a forced fumble and a fumble recovery. He's one of the premier tacklers in the country and one of the main uh, defensive disruptors in the country as well. I think that uh, if he adds to his sack total this year, you're looking at potentially the uh, one of the Buckus uh, front runners. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to like him uh, eating up uh, anything that gets past the first line of defense of my defensive line um, as far as the running game is concerned. So I'm going Colin Schooler at linebacker. Good pick. And uh, my next pick, I am going to stick with the defensive side of the ball still. And I'm going to go with Derek Brown, defensive tackle out of Auburn. Now, what I like about uh, Brown is he is a heck of an athlete and finished with a ton of production last year. This is a guy that finished with 48 tackles, 10 and a half tackles for loss from the defensive tackle spot. Also added four and a half sacks and a forced fumble in 2008. He faces a ton of double teams and he was still amongst one of the most productive defensive tackles in the country. He's going to be even more uh uh, dangerous this year potentially with that that really nasty Auburn defense um, so I look for big things from Derek Brown this year and if I'm picking a team he's definitely my first defensive tackle that I'm going to take yeah and I he was my number two I'll be honest at defensive tackle and and a big reason why I really like the Auburn Tigers this year um, they're they're starting to pop up on a lot of um, expert and a lot of media picks as being a team that is a top 15 team, even though they might be the third best team in the SEC West this year. Um, that defense is going to be nasty once again. Uh, Kevin Steele knows how to run it down there on the plains. And I was shocked when he didn't decide to turn pro. As Usually you see those those bigger defensive linemen, especially at Auburn, that seems to be um, kind of commonplace for Auburn defensive players to to skip their final year and go pro. Um, congratulations for him for for coming back for you know I'm sure the education, but also um, I think that you know he's a, he's a competitor and, and wants to give it one more go round and one more chance to beat Bama to to mm-hmm. win an SEC West to win an SEC championship and really make a statement and say this is exactly why it's worth staying here and I'm I know I'm going to go to the NFL. And so why not come out and, and finish my, you know, my college days, the best days of my life and, and try and get a ring out of it. So uh, I like that pick. Right. Well, and, and also he was a very highly touted uh, high school recruit coming out. And normally those guys, if you have that high uh, star rating and you're productive in college, you know that you're probably going to be a first rounder. Not only that, but Auburn loses their starting quarterback and some other key pieces going into 2019. So, uh, Taking all that into account, it would have been easy for him to jump ship as well, but credit to him for coming back for his senior year. He could really vault himself into the top five, top ten, potentially, depending on what he uh, what he does in 2019. Yeah. Well, I'm going to uh, take my next pick and go with my number one defensive tackle pick, and that's Raekwon Williams from Michigan State. Um, now, it was really almost a coin flip between Williams and Brown, but what I like about Raekwon Williams is he has gotten better every year, and he is a big reason why that Michigan State defense was one of the best, if not the best, uh, by some accounts, um, in uh, in 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 the college game and in the Big Ten. So, um, you know, he's and what I like about him is he wears number ninety nine, and and I'm one of those uh, those number nerds, and and I think that there's something to be said about um, a linebacker who wears a double digit uh, number but also a defensive tackle that wears 99. It, it just seems like you give your your best and your biggest defensive lineman a, a, a double-digit number yep. like that. Um, so he had 50 tackles last year. Um, 
Ten and a half tackles for loss and two sacks. But again, those are pretty impressive numbers for someone who plays on the inside. His biggest role, like any good defensive tackle, is to uh, force double teams and to free up his linebackers and to free up his defensive ends to go and make plays. And that's exactly what that Michigan State front did last year. And you know that his numbers are going to be impressive because um, – you know, he's sandwiched by the Panishik brothers and also Kenny Willickus, who's another All-American type uh, defensive mm-hmm. end. Joe Baji at that middle linebacker spot. Um, that Michigan State defense is going to be stout yet again. And if their offense can come back to form, then, um, you know, this is going to be a team that I think can make a, a pretty positive comeback in 2019. So uh, Raekwon Williams is going to be my next pick at defensive tackle for Michigan State. Yeah, there's lots to like about that uh, Michigan State defensive line. Raekwon, Day, Raekwon Williams, sorry is uh, one of the big reasons for that. Yep. Well, uh, I'm going to probably break your heart just a little bit here, Bip, and I'm going to go out to Stillwater for my wide receiver and take Tylon Smoochie Wallace (laughs) as my number one receiver. Now, there was a wealth of players that I could have chosen. Um, I like Jerry Judy. I I like Rondell Moore, your pick. I like Justin Ross. I like Tamorian Terry from Florida State. But to me, Tylon Wallace, um, I, I like his size and I like his attitude. To me, he seems, of all these guys, the nastiest wide receiver. And and when you've got a receiver in a in a pass-happy offense, you you want to have a guy who's got a kind of got that Keyshawn Johnson swag about him, um, that that Deion Sanders type mentality of it's gonna be my ball, and I don't care who's going against me. Um, you know, last year as a freshman, he was not intimidated by anybody in that Big 12. Um, which we talked about is is actually a better defensive conference than many people give credit for, and um, you know I just I, I like his numbers, I like his uh, approach to the game, and you know if he if he gets a a quarterback that's going to settle in, whether it be Spencer Sanders or Drew Brown, um, that's going to be uh, another productive year for him. I, I liken him to to be the front runner for the Bolitnikov this year going in. Um, and I apologize. I, I said he was a freshman last year. He actually was on last year, but, um, you know, in really his first full season of play, he had 86 catches for 1,491 yards, averaging 17.3 a touch. I mean, um, that's big play. That's dynamite every time. I mean, you're, when you can move the football, a fifth of the football field, every time you're throwing to this guy, that's, that's big news. 12 touchdowns, which was one of the best in the big 12, um, He's just uh, he's somebody that you can trust in the red zone. He's somebody that you can trust moving the ball downfield. And when I'm building an offense um, and going with who I'm going to tell you is going to be my offensive coordinator, this is going to be the guy that I, I want to build around on the outside bit. Yep. And he's a guy that uh, you and I have talked about several times on previous podcasts. We're both big fans, see big things happening again in Stillwater with him in 2019. So if uh, he was in my top three, um, so if I didn't already select a receiver, I'd be more upset that you had taken him here, but, uh, definitely a big right. play, uh, pass catching threat that you get there. So I'm going to move back over to the offensive side of the ball with you there, Chappie. And I'm going to take my offensive line at this time. And I'm going to go with, uh, Georgia. Now this is an offensive line that ranked seventh in line, uh, yards per carry last year, which takes away line yardage of, uh, plays greater than eight yards as it kind of classifies that as more credit to the running back than the line. So it really gives you an idea of how many yards that that offensive line generates for, um, the running backs. And if, if they so choose to run at the quarterbacks as well, Mm -hmm. they're also 39th in, uh, stuff rank and 45th in sack rate. They return three full-time starters, and they also get three others that saw action in at least 13 games last year. This is an offensive line that's full of talent, 
full of youth and should be even better this year than it was in 2018. And that was already a really good unit paving the way for those uh, that talented group of running backs last year at Georgia. Yeah, I, that's a very good pick. And they were my number two offensive line as a unit this year. Um, they were neck and neck with Clemson. Um, but, uh, you know, I... For me, what sets them back just a tad is the fact that they lost their offensive coordinator, Jim Chaney. Um, I'm not 100% sold mm-hmm. on on the new guy that they've got in there. Um, so that's where I, I kind of gave the nod to Clemson. And, um, sure. you know, they Georgia's been solid on the offensive line. They're certainly a factory. Um, so I think that is a good pick, Bip. Um are you are you and, are you and, on to the next one or is it up to me? I, I, I lost uh, I lost my train here for a sec. <laughs> No, no, I, I, I'll get, uh, it's my okay, next pick. So. so, um, running behind that, uh, the hog mollies there, I'm going to have Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. So Taylor in my last opinion, year was the first safest in the country pick at running back, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was first in rushing yards last year, so it's a good way mm-hmm. to start. And, uh, this is a, after he finished third in rushing yards as a freshman, um, within those two years, he's combined to average 7.1 yards per carry and he scored, uh, 16 touchdowns last year. Now his biggest questions, uh, his biggest question is fumbles, yes. uh, as he's had 12 in the last two years, he's lost 10 of those. Um, but what I like about him is consistency. Now you could say he consistently <laughs> fumbles. However, as far as a, a yardage total, um, he ran for over 100 yards and uh, against every opponent other than you. your Northwestern yep. Wildcats last year, Chappie. And that includes games against Michigan, Iowa, and he ran for 205 yards um, in the bowl game against a really stout Miami defense. So when I'm when I'm thinking of running back and I have a, a quarterback as talented as Trevor Lawrence, I'm looking more mm-hmm. so from consistency from the running game and hoping that my passing game is going to give me the big chunk plays that I'm looking for. Um, so I like the fact that I can set my watch to what Jonathan Taylor is going to give me. And I know that he's going to be a, uh, 300 plus carry back. That's going to give me at least 15 to 2000 or 1500 to 2000 yards every year. Yeah. And you know, I, I didn't mean to, uh, to belittle, uh, Mr. Taylor's, uh, no, I, I, production i and another guy who's a is a class act as well and and to me that means something i know that you know it doesn't show up on the stat sheet and most people say who care my only concern with jonathan thomas is um jonathan, sorry, taylor. jonathan taylor yeah i'm i'm <laughs> taking home improvement here right yeah right <laughs> i don't have a poster on my wall um you know when going up against some of the better defenses last year um he kind of uh kind of disappeared just a tad now he he put up those hundred yard games but um where he where he missed out is in the end zone so against minnesota yeah. zero touchdowns um and minnesota he played them at a point when their defense was much better at the uh toward the end of the season for the axe and they lost that game he averaged 6.3 yards per carry but didn't show up in the end zone um you know like you mentioned against northwestern uh only 46 yards zero touchdowns couple of fumbles against michigan um, 101 yards, but zero touchdowns against Iowa, zero touchdowns. Um, so, you know, it's, he, he put up big numbers against the teams that you would expect him to. And, mm-hmm. and he was, I would say above average against those good defensive teams. But, um, you know, for me, you like to see it uh, from, you know, a little bit more production, especially when you're getting into the red zone. And I know that you pointed out my back, um, Travis Etienne putting up some relatively pedestrian numbers. And I know that the SEC is really nowhere near the uh, the Big Ten in terms of, of defensive prowess, but um, mm-hmm. 
you know, when I what I look at in a running back is not just what he's giving me on every carry, but is he getting right. in the end zone? And and part of that might be a bright byproduct of what his offense can can lead up to. But you know, push comes to shove. When when you need to get across that goal line, especially once you're inside the ten, you're really looking to your running back, and you want him to find a way any way he can, even if his offensive line is not going to help him to 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 push through and to cross that that end zone. And that's one of the more uh, interesting things or intriguing things to me is if you take Jonathan Taylor out of the Wisconsin offense what's he look like so you put him on a team that's got a dynamic quarterback um does he still get the 2,000 yards uh because you have the quarterback opening up more running lanes than what the Wisconsin passing game does or does he uh is he one of those guys that is a product of getting all of that volume and so if you're on a team that passes the ball more more effectively um and he goes down to about 200 carries or so what is his number? What do his number overall numbers look like? So that's one of the more intriguing things to me, and maybe even kind of a gamble uh, of taking him here. Of if my offense is more pass uh, centric than what Wisconsin's is, what kind of running back do I have in Jonathan Taylor? Someone who is very consistent and can uh, you know churn the yardage with the volume, um, but. What, what does that look like when he gets the the low number of carries that someone like Travis Etienne has? Right, right. Um, yeah, that's good. Good question. Good, good thing to ponder. So um, I'm going to go back over to the the defensive side here and and steal someone from your favorite team, and I'm going to go safety Alohi Gilman from the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Now, Very I, I nice. talked about this with you before. We've talked about it on the podcast before. This guy, to me, aside from Grant Delpit, is what a safety should look like in the college game, and I think it will translate into the NFL game as well. So started out his career at Navy, and as a freshman playing for the, the midshipmen, he had 76 tackles, five tackles for loss, five passes defended. He forced two, uh, or he forced a fumble, uh, recovered two fumbles, taking one of them back for a, uh, a scoop and score touchdown. Um, then he transfers to Notre Dame, had to sit out a year, and then last season as a junior in South Bend had 94 tackles from his safety spot, 58 of them being solo. He had three tackles for loss, two interceptions, um, five passes defended, and forced a fumble. But this guy is a hitter. You watch him on film, and you know if, if you have any sort of defensive blood in you, if you have any sort of um, what hopefully is still left of uh, an appreciation of controlled violence for the game of football – this guy brings it, and and Gilman is somebody who is not only a great um, tactical player, but he's also a very strategical player, uh, probably one of the smarter football minds on that Notre Dame team, which is really saying something because that's a school of smart kids, um, as Rudy's dad would, would attest to. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so he definitely is going to be the bell cow for me in that secondary going along with corner Paulson Adebo. So Alohi Gilman from Notre Dame is my next pick at safety. Yeah, and like you said, he is what a safety embodies, uh, someone that comes up and can put a hat on the ball, also someone that can drop back into coverage. And if he does have one potential weakness outside of maybe not being the best athlete uh, across the country in the defensive backfield, mm-hmm. it's that he sometimes gets a little too aggressive. but. He does a good job of not being, uh, you know, way too overly aggressive. He's he's aggressive enough, and he's been right. exposed a couple of times, uh, but it definitely benefits him more so uh, than it hurts him. Yeah. And he's one of those um, that always seems to be around the ball, whether it's affecting the play or forcing turnovers. Um, as uh, just go back to the Syracuse film to check that out. Great game there where he had two picks, yeah. eight tackles total. 
Um, love that pick, Chappie. And and not only that, he's a great character to have in the locker room. One of their captains or one of their what should be captains uh, for 2019. Yeah, you watch him play and you would think that he's this, uh, you know, maniacal psychopath who just has a hatred for everything in his way. <laughs> but then, you know, right after the whistle's blown, you know, he'll help guys up. You know, he's a great teammate. You you listen mm-hmm. to him talk in, in interviews and, and talk to his teammates and his coaches and whatnot. Um, you know, really one of those guys that you you would love to have your daughter bring home. So. Um, sure. Well, my next pick, uh, and it slipped all the way down because it's a safe pick. You already took your quarterback, so I knew that I could slip this guy down. Oh, yeah. And um, I know the consensus for most people is going to be, oh, Chappie's going to take Tua Tungavailoa. Nope, I'm not going to. Um, and some people might say, well, then he's probably going to take Sam Ellinger from Texas. Nope, I'm not going to go Ellinger either, although those are very intriguing picks. Okay, well, maybe Justin Fields. Maybe he's on the Justin Fields train. I'm not. I'm going to go down to H-Town and take De'Eric King from the Houston Cougars as my All-American uh. pick. Now, here's why. The guy can do it all, almost literally. He led his team in receiving, passing, and uh, running the football coming into 2018. So in 2017, he was Mr. Do-It-All for the Houston Cougars in terms of somebody who was coming back. Last year, um, in only 11 games, mind you, he, he suffered an injury toward the end of the season. Completed 63.5% of his passes for 2,982 yards, um, 36 touchdowns, only six interceptions. Um, To go along with that, he rushed the ball for 674 yards at 6.1 yards per carry, 14 touchdowns. He also caught a pass for 12 yards. Um, I think he sold popcorn at halftime. He, um, you know, ushered people to their seats in between <laughs> quarters. So the guy literally does it all. And, you know, he's he's truly a leader. And what I like about him is kind of like Greg Ward before him, uh, he, he elevates himself and he works that much harder because people look at him in his stature and say, well, you're not the prototypical quarterback. He's got Dana Holgerson coming in who knows how to use his quarterbacks, who knows how to use his offenses. And I just think that he's due for a great year statistically. Um, If Houston can be a 10-win team, don't be surprised to see Mr. King's name in the Heisman finalist to be to join Case Keenum, who came very close, um, and David Klingler, who came very close. And then, of course, Andre Ware, who won the Heisman back in 1991. Um, Just another in the line of very talented Houston Cougar quarterbacks. So Derek King's going to be my all-American pick at quarterback with my with my most recent sh- selection. And I like that one. I like the fact that he's an under-the-radar guy, someone that a lot of college football fans may not even know about until you take mm-hmm. a look at all of his stats and see how effective he was. My main question is actually kind of twofold. He loses Major Apple White. He loses Kendall Bryles this year. Not only right. that, but the level of competition that he plays against, if you take him outside of that conference and put him in any other Power Five, is he as effective? Now, he's still going to be a great athlete, um, but what does his completion percentage look like? Is he able to fit the ball into the tighter windows that you're going to need to do so in the Big Ten or the SEC? Uh, but I, ca- I can't argue against you in this one, Chappie. He is a do-it-all quarterback and one of the bigger threats all around uh, at the quarterback position in college football. Yeah, and and I guess um, the way I'm looking at this is it's not necessarily my my fantasy team. It's it's going to be um, as I'm as I'm looking at guys who I think are going to get the most production, um, regardless sure. of where they're at. And and I did I tried to stay within power five, um, but mm-hmm. King is one of those few players that I had on my my entire roster that kind of just transcended. Now, why didn't I go with yeah. Tua? Um, 
I think he's very good, but because of the injury uh, problems last year, I'm afraid that he might be a little bit reserved. I don't think that he's going to um, necessarily have as much playing time. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, given the fact that Alabama didn't win the title last year, I think that's going to um, cause him to kind of be on, on caution watch and, and does, you know, if he gets injured at all, could we see a Joey Bosa situation where, or I'm sorry, Nick Bosa situation where um, he and his family decide that he's going to kind of shelve himself and, and save for the NFL. Now to me, Tua seems more like a college uh, loyalty guy as opposed to an NFL yeah. guy. Whereas that certainly wasn't true for Nick Boza and some of those other guys who, who may have uh, pulled up lame earlier in the year Ed Oliver's someone who comes to mind, but um, right. you know, again, you know, you mentioned the loss of Kendall Bryles. That's a big one at offensive coordinator and Major Applewhite as well. But I don't think there's a huge drop off with Dana Holgerson. I think had Houston gotten yeah. somebody like Neil Brown or um, Mac Brown, for that matter, um, I, I wouldn't be putting him there. But I, I think it's almost a, a lateral transition um, to have Holgerson and um, his offensive mind and his offensive staff coming in there working with King, who already has the skill set and the talent. And I really think that Holgerson is more or less going to adapt to King and that offensive uh, group that they have with receivers like Marcus Stevenson and, um, and and the lot that they've got there. So I, I see big things coming out of Houston. And again, I think we're going to see him a lot more and his name be even more prominent if Houston uh, kind of takes that AAC by storm this year and wins 10 or more games. Yeah, uh, no, and, and I completely spaced on the fact that Holgerson comes in. So, yeah, you're right. He may not even miss a beat uh, as far as the coaching changes. Um, right. So I'll stick on the offensive side of the ball, and I'll take the first of our tight ends here, Chappie. I'm going to go with Colby Parkinson, tight end out of Stanford. At 6'7", he's got a huge frame to go along with his great athleticism in an offense that really loves to utilize the tight end. Last year, he had 485 yards, seven touchdowns, and that was uh, sharing time with Caden Smith, who's now moved on to the NFL. Um, Parkinson will be at the top of the uh, will be the top tight end on the farm, and I think he's due for a huge season uh, in that offense. Yeah, I that's a great pick, and um, you know, to me, he he's a big body, but he's certainly more receiver than he is tight end. Um, and yeah. you know, when I think of Stanford tight ends, Parkinson's not the type of athlete that comes to mind, but I, I cer- certainly think that that's um, to his credit, and I think that that's to Stanford's advantage because opposing teams are are used to seeing a guy who is you know more bulk and and can sit in the middle and is going to shield off linebackers and safeties and, and make that solid secure catch when they're focusing in on the uh on the run and, and the power game between and outside the tackles. So um, you know, we really saw it in the Oregon game last year where Parkinson kind of um emerged himself as as a name to to really watch and, and I, I love that pick actually. Mm-hmm. And and losing JJ Arcega Whiteside and, and really Trent Irwin as well loses them another pair of uh six four plus guys. So Parkinson really could be leaned on heavily to be that red zone threat this year for for Stanford. Right. Yep. So uh my next pick, I'm gonna go back on the defensive side of the ball and I'm gonna go defensive end Chase Young out of Ohio mm-hmm. State. And it was it was really tough for me to choose between him and uh AJ Epinesa, but I went with Chase Young. Um based on mainly the the Penn State game. Yep. And I loved the game that he had uh, against the Nittany Lions. And that one alone, he had two sacks, three tackles for loss, and had that play where he just 
blew up into the backfield, snuffed out the run, and sealed the victory for the Buckeyes. That went along with 14.5 tackles for loss this year, 9.5 sacks, 5 uh, passes defended, 1 forced fumble. Um, this is you know, a guy that uh, is a supreme athlete and is going to be a terror for uh, Big Ten opponents once again this year as, he's, as he looks to improve upon some really impressive numbers that he had in 2018 going into the 2019 season. Yeah, and, and that's the play that comes into my mind, the, the one against Penn State. Um, you know, Miles Sanders looked like a, uh, a freshman JV kid who was going up against an All-American <laughs> five-star number one recruit defensive end, and, and Young kind of looked mm-hmm. down at him like, what do you think you're doing? It was almost... You know, you could almost use that clip on the Rex Chapman blocker charge um, tweets right. that come out. I mean, that, that play was that uh, explosive from the defensive side. And he was my number two defensive end behind um, Xavier Thomas from Clemson. So that one is another one where mm-hmm. it was almost a coin flip. And I had Epinesa right. as a very close third. But, you know, I agree with you. I just think that there's more upside. I think there's more athleticism from Chase Young. Um, I think that he, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, his wingspan, the guy seems like he's eight feet tall and, and has a wingspan of, um, you know, some of those redwoods in, uh, in, in Northern California. So I like that pick bit. So that's down to me now, isn't it? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to kind of round out here with my, with my last two picks and, Mm I'm going to first go at linebacker with uh, David Woodward from Utah State. Now, um, Woodward is a guy who led the the Mountain West in tackles, and you know, naturally, obviously, led his his team in tackles as well. But um, you know, he's he's almost plays like a hybrid outside linebacker, strong safety, and they play a four two five scheme out there in Logan, Utah. Um, had 134 tackles this season, which is uh, insane. He jumped up from 25 tackles as a freshman, only as a sophomore last year, had 134 total stops. 12 and a half were for a loss behind the line of scrimmage, and five sacks were included in that. He had two picks um, and uh, forced two fumbles. He defended three passes. So this is a guy that certainly was, you know, gave you a lot of versatility on the defensive side and is going to be a good reason why Utah State is seen to be one of those um, group of five crashers that you could really look out for. And again, um, you know, if I'm going for value to their team and value for what sort of stats they should put up, I, I really like Woodward to do a lot of good things. I, I was close to going with Colin Schooler myself. Um, Evan Weaver from Cal is another guy that I threw out there and Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. But I just think that, um, you know, they're they're kind of surrounded maybe by a little bit more talent than Woodward is. And Woodward, to me, stood out both with his play, but also with his statistics that jumped out to me as well. Yeah. And taking a look at uh, his stats on the season, had two games with 16 tackles, one game with 20 tackles. And his game against UNLV had three sacks, three and a half tackles for loss, 12 total tackles. So really spread out his production throughout the entire season and one of the big reasons as to why that Utah State defense was as impressive as it was yeah yeah for sure um well I'm gonna go to my last pick is gonna be my tight end and I'm gonna go with somebody who is probably family guys Gwen Clag or Glenn Quagmire's favorite uh name and that's Matt Bushman from <laughs> BYU um, now Bushman was, uh, you know, earned some accolades this season. He, uh, was one of the top pass catching tight ends, uh, in terms of yards per catch. He averaged 17.6 every time he caught the rock. He had 29 total catches, only two touchdowns. Um, but what I like about him coming back this year is, uh, you know, 
he dipped a little bit. He had 49 catches as a freshman, so he he dropped off in production just a tad. But what we saw is is this is going to be a good BYU offense. Zach Wilson is going to be probably one of the more efficient passers in college football next year if everything else on the offensive side goes well for them. So I, I see a lot of potential, a lot of upside in Bushman, especially since he showed it as a as a freshman. Uh, I think last year was just a, a tad of a sophomore slump. So this might be a reach of a pick for me, but I do like uh, what he'll bring, especially combining with Wilson at quarterback there. Um, so I'm going to go with Matt Bushman as my tight end for my last pick on uh, the on the offensive and de- defensive sides. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> got me choked Excuse up here, Chappie. Um, no, I, 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 uh, I like that one. Um, Bushman is, is another one of those guys that kind of falls under the radar. Um, but, uh, you know, one of those, um, weapons on offense that, uh, you can, you can count on his constant production and, uh, tight end is really one of those, those positions to where you don't really appreciate how, how, um, beneficial it is to have a good tight end until you don't have it um right. and he and he's someone for the cougars that uh should have a big year in 2019 so i am going to round out our draft here Chappie, and i'm going to pick my last position at cornerback and i'm going to go with bryce hall from virginia um hall actually earned uh, all american honors this year and he uh i was really surprised that he returned for his senior season for him to be yeah, me too. able for me to select him he led the nation in passes defended last year with 21, and I've already talked about how I'm a big fan of that stat, um, especially as it, it kind of is an all-encompassing of how good you are when the ball's near you as a defensive back. He also added in two picks, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, and he also uh, added 62 tackles, which is really impressive from the cornerback position, showing that he can make some tackles in space and he doesn't shy away from contact uh, when uh, plays are coming his way. So Bryce Hall adds adds to that uh, what could be a, a really good looking uh, Cavaliers defense this year in 2019 and rounds out uh, my team there. Chappie. Yep, that's a that's a very good pick, and he was actually my number two corner had had a Debo been off the board for mm-hmm. me, but um, fortunately I got him. So. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I was surprised too that he he ended up deciding to come back for his senior season. So good for good for the Who's and good for um, you know Coach Mendenhall down there. Yeah. So we're going to get into our coaching staff, and uh, because you had the last one pick, you're going to get the first pick of head coach. And then I'm going to take my two coordinators, and you can fill fill in with your two coordinators with the final two picks. Bip. So um, there's a, a, a select group of guys that most people would want to be. The, the golden whistle, so to speak, and, and the guy who's calling the shots, the guy who's um, going to be the best coach of the year. So who do you take as your coach on your All-American team this year? Well, Chappie, I thought I'd be potentially another a-hole to you and take uh, Coach Fitz, but uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone in the event that you that you want to decide with him, and I'm going to go with uh, Nick Saban. And it really came down to two coaches here, Saban and, and Dabo. Uh, went with Saban based on... Uh, a longer track record of success, uh, the ability to be as good of a recruiter as he is. And um, I I know that they've had their battles. Uh, obviously, Dabo got the better of him recently. But I think if I had to have one game where it's just X's and O's, um, I'm going to take uh, Nick Saban over Dabo by the slightest of margins. The only thing that uh, makes me think twice about that is if I'm building a program, 
I might go with Dabo just based on how much the players seem to love to play for him. And when you see him on the field in interviews, the life that comes out of that guy and how much he loves coaching mm-hmm. um, the, those players and just being, you know, one of the guys essentially. Yep. But um, if I'm going with, with 2019 season specifically, I'm going to go uh, Nick Saban, especially with the added motivation of being embarrassed in the national championship game last year. Yeah, no, that that's a good pick. And um, he certainly was on my radar. Um, for me, it was down between two, two coaches. One of them was, um, the, you know, one of the guys you mentioned, and the other one is somebody else. So I'm going to go with Dabo Swinney and it was between him and Lincoln Riley for me. Now here's what, uh, the upside is with Lincoln. He is certainly the hottest, um, rising coach in the game right now. Um, he's 24 and four in two seasons, which includes two, playoff appearances unfortunately for the Sooners both losses Um, he knows how to get his offense going he has coached two transfers back-to-back to to Heisman Trophy uh, seasons Um, he's showing that he can recruit he's done a lot to really um, amp up Norman Oklahoma they you know he did a lot for their spring game this year they played it at night he said he wanted to treat it like it was a rock concert Um, so he's kind of um, bringing a youth movement uh, to to Soonerland, and I like that about him. But when I look at Dabo Swinney, um, this guy's resume is almost impossible to to go against. In eleven seasons, he has posted double digit wins in eight of them. He's got a seven ninety five win percentage compared to um, Riley's eight fifty win percentage. But again, over a longer uh, span of time, um, I think that that's going to even out a little bit. He's nine and five in bowl games. Uh, he's got two national champions championships. He's played in three, or he's coached in three. So clearly, the guy knows how to win. Clearly, he knows how to uh, recruit. And like you said, he knows how to have fun. And and I I like the fact um, that he kind of brings that energy and that uh, that passion back to college coaching because you know for a little while we were seeing you know with yeah. guys like Saban and Les Miles and you know even Coach O down in uh, mm-hmm. Baton Rouge. Uh, Mark D'Antonio, you're seeing uh, guys who are just way too serious. And that's what I like about Swinney and Lincoln Riley. They seem like they are just kids. And it's almost like they are, you know, that they're living out their dream. This is exactly what they've always wanted to do. And, and they'll reference it often that they're the luckiest guy in the world because they get to do all these great things that they're doing. And fortunately for them, they're, they're being successful at it as well. And I might be seen as an a-hole by my right. Northwestern uh, friends for not going with coach Fitz. Um, <laughs> shout out to coach Fitz. He's, he's outstanding and, uh, certainly would be on my staff. But, um, if I'm going to go with an all American coach this year, I do think that Clemson is prime for a repeat. And that's why I'm going to go with Swinney as the, as the head coach there. Yep. Couldn't agree with you more. Well, um, I'm going to give you my coordinators. And so first of all, um, it's going to be on the offensive side, Kendall Bryles, who is now at Florida state. And you and I have talked about, you know, the reasons we like him. He has been a top 10 offensive coach or coordinator wherever he's gone, um, both in the Power 5 and Group of 5 ranks. Um, last year, his uh, Houston Cougar offense finished eighth in total offense. They were one of the best passing teams. And he's going now to a place at Florida State where he's going to have a little bit more talent. Um, I think that uh, they're hungry for everything that they have been wanting uh, for the last couple of years. And I think that they're in a position now to with Bryles, that's going to push them over the top. Um, you can expect to see Florida state near some of the, um, 
you know, the higher categories in uh, college football in terms of the offensive side of the ball. So Bryles is going to be my offensive coordinator on the defensive side. Once again, I'm going to go to Death Valley because they're just that good. Brent Venables is going to be my defensive guy. Um, yeah. Now, I've liked him when he was at Kansas State, at Oklahoma. Everywhere he's gone, he's kind of been like Bryles. He has turned it to gold. This guy has proven that there's really no team, no program, no defense that he can't whip into shape and get to be one of the tops in the country. And so Brent Venables is, is certainly going to be a guy who, um, even with their losses this year, they're just going to reload. And it's because he's a, he's a good recruiter and he knows what he wants. He knows uh, when he sees a, a high school athlete, that this is somebody who's going to fit in on my defense. And, uh, you know, the, the best thing is he wouldn't even consider it his defense. He's unselfish about it. Um, he believes big in, in team defense, and and that's what seems to be the recipe for success down in Clemson. So Bryles on offense and Venables on defense. Bip, who you got? Well, I'll uh, start off with uh, the offensive side of the ball like you did, and I'll go with Mike Yersich, uh, former Oklahoma State offense coordinator, now the passing coordinator um, at Ohio State. Oklahoma State finished in the top 10 in passing yards per game each of the past four seasons, including first in the country um, within those four years. I think that um, if I can get him, I can pair him with Trevor Lawrence to really take him to the next level. Um, not that he has much further to go to get to that next level. Lawrence does. Um, but I really right. have been impressed with uh, it, it's not just one quarterback that your has had. He's done it with multiple quarterbacks at Oklahoma state and turned that really into helped helped uh, coach Gundy turn that into kind of a quarterback factory at the co- uh, collegiate level. So he gets my nod for offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. I'm going to go with um, Don Brown. And this one was um, for this year, strictly as we know, Don Brown's kind of up there in age. So if we're going dynasty, I might go another direction, but uh, his defenses have finished first, third and second in the country the past three years in yards per game allowed on defense. Um, and the year before he arrived to Michigan, he coached Boston College, uh, their defense to first in the country in yards per game allowed as well. So a guy that can not only get it done with elite talent, but can get it done with um, arguably lesser talent in a place like Boston College. Yeah. Knows his stuff, can get the most from his defenses. I just need to make sure that I don't schedule Ohio State and I should be I should be good to go. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, and he was he was on my list as well, my short list. Um, and, and for the same reasons that you said, the guy just seems to know defense and is a no nonsense guy. And his players love him; they swear by him. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, so right. many guys have said, you know, in so many words, I would take a bullet for Coach Brown. I mean, he's uh, and I've been around coaches like that. And, and when you have uh, a guy who is not about himself, who's not flashy, who's not look, especially somebody like Brown, who's not looking to make a vertical movement. I mean, he's comfortable being a coordinator. He just wants to be around success and he wants to leave his, his imprint on there for, for the wins for the team, as opposed to, you know, elevating himself into, um, you know, greener pastures. So I like that pick Bip and I like your such as well at Ohio state. Uh, I think that's a, a home run, move for for the Buckeyes because uh and, and if he right. did what he did at Oklahoma State um it's a slight step up going over to Columbus and and I I see big things coming for for the Buckeyes. Yeah. Well, um that the last selection has been made in our 2019 All-American Draft, but you can make the right selection again and again each week by downloading or subscribing and following us on any of your favorite platforms. We're on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Breaker, the list goes on. 
So stay tuned and listen to the newest podcast as they upload right to your device. Two a week is typically our average. And once you've gotten caught up on the recent entertainment and information from our show, feel free to check out some of our previous episodes you may have missed or want to revisit as you're doing your off-season preparations and prognostications. And again, the best thanks and praise we can receive is by you sharing and spreading the good word to continue to make Bowl Full of Chips the best-growing college football podcast out there. Remember, you can also interact with us on Twitter with an I like your thinking or a straight up what are you thinking. <laughs> thanks for tuning in to a Bowl Full of Chips, the all-encompassing, all-American, all-conference podcast. I am Chappie. And I am Bip. And with much gratitude, we thank you for your ears, your eyes, and your support. All Americans can agree we did our job and it's time to flee. But come next time, you know where we'll be. Be good, be right, from a bowl full of chips. Good night. Good night.